Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on a mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips and insights into work life and insurance in hope to inspire diverse talent to join and remain within the industry. The insurance profession is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Shazia, welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. I am so happy you're here. It's been a bit of time of getting here, so I'm glad we're finally here. (laughs) Um, For those who don't know you, please introduce yourself. Yes. Hi, um, I'm Shazia Denali. I um, work at Allianz and I'm a compliance manager in the policy area. Brilliant. Thank you. And we've met and crossed paths at Lloyd's when we were both working there as well. So yet again, it does show that, you know, you do meet people and all sorts of times of your career. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. So talking about career, uh, as you know, we start this podcast always with career and insurance choice or a chance. What's been your story? And please focus on that beginning, which is Manchester United Football Club. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I think by that, you can tell it was very much chance for me. Um, Yeah, very much fell into into insurance, um, but completely agree with you in in what you're trying to achieve, that we need to get more more of that choice, you know, element Mm. coming through. But um, yeah, so for me, I think in in terms of a whistle-stop tour of kind of my background, um, it's very much law, LPC, and then graduating post-financial crisis and trying to figure out where the hell I would get a job, quite frankly. Um, So, you know, when I was interning at um, Manchester United and uh, in their London office, um, it was, it was, you know, it was a great opportunity. That office is specifically for all the um, sponsorship deals mm. that the club do, yeah, with all of their kind of like partners. Um, so um, that London office was, uh, was 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 quite interesting. Really lovely place in St James's. Um, you know, very swanky offices. Um, but yeah, it was there to kind of deal with all the sponsorship um, deals and uh, partners that would come across their tables. So um, I, my role there was to kind of do a lot of research into potential partners. So I remember at the time I was doing research into Turkish Airlines and they end up did being a sponsor for, for, the, for the club. Um, so kind of looking at, yeah, you know, uh, how, how the partnership could work and mm. what kind of presence they had internationally. So um, in some ways it kind of geared me up into kind of international um, yeah. kind of looking at things from an international lens um so so yeah but yeah kind of that was because that was a brief internship um it it wasn't really for me that kind of sponsorship Mm. commercial side didn't really float my boat um but then I got a job at the financial ombudsman service um as an adjudicator and uh this is where the chance bit comes in what, sorry, I need to jump in. What is an mm. adjudicator? Adjudicator, <laughs> yes. So if you are a consumer and you are unhappy with something you've received from your bank or from your insurer, um, the financial ombudsman service is there to help investigate and help, you know, help with any complaint that you have. So 
the adjudicator is the person that actually reviews your file. So they look at everything. So I was put in the buildings insurance team. So that's where the chance bit comes in. Because if I was put in, you know, banking or pensions or investments, I don't know where I'd be. I may not be on this podcast um, because that was my first um, introduction to kind of insurance. So the buildings insurance team, um, it was a very interesting team to be in because they're it was usually the top end of the claims because it was people mm. that were saying my house is completely burnt down and the insurance company is not paying, you know, it was, it was quite extreme mm. cases. Um, so yes, yeah, so that was my introduction to insurance. When I was in the team, they encouraged me to kind of grow my technical skills. And they said, you know, you might want to think about doing some CII modules to in- increase your understanding of policy terms and how insurance kind of works. Um, and it was really from there that I started building my platform of insurance Mm. knowledge Um, and from there various other roles in between but you know got a job at Lloyds of London so this is sort of 10 years ago now over 10 years ago now which is crazy Um, and yeah and so since then I've been um, in various roles so if you were to look (laughs) if you were to look at my my LinkedIn um, profile and kind of all the different roles I've had I think some people would 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 freak out they'd they'd get anxiety at seeing all the different things that I've done but it's worked for me like it you know it's Mm. something um I've really enjoyed kind of experiencing different roles in different areas of the business um it's not for everyone but for me Mm. I really really like experiencing experiencing the different um yeah different parts of the business different things that go on um I do like to feel challenged and to feel like I'm growing and developing and what I'm doing so I'm I guess I'm very I'm very self-aware when I feel like I'm not getting that I'm constantly thinking about the next bit where where else can I go to get something else so that's why my <laughs> my history is is there's, there's a lot in there <laughs> um, can, over the past 10 I years. I can relate to that I, I've yeah. had a um I've had a, 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 he wasn't directly my manager, but he was a senior uh, person in the business at Lloyd's that worked, uh, I worked with quite a lot. And he once turned around and he said, you get bored, so we need to keep you entertained. <laughs> and I remember when he said it mm-hmm. to me, I, I've recently had lunch with him and I've said that to him. I said, yeah. I felt very like, oh my God, am I doing something wrong? Is mm. this... But what he meant is exactly what you said. It's like, yeah. no, you need that stimulation, you need that challenge. Yep. So if a job is not offering that to you, a company's, then you will move on. Yeah. So if we want to keep you, we got to keep on keeping you busy. And it works for the business as well. Absolutely. But I will never forget that. I'm like, you get bored. I'm like, oh, this. <laughs> but yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we're all wired differently, aren't we? We all, you know, for some people, knowing their job inside out and spending a lot of time in a, in a particular role is what they need and but that's not quite how I'm wired I I need to feel like I'm being challenged and when I'm not I I'm quite proactive in figuring out my next step yeah and I think that's that's um you know especially maybe in your first few years of a career may feel like you shouldn't be recognizing that what what would Mm. you what would you think be, you know, advised that someone is sitting there and going, okay, I've just been in this job for a little while. Um, it's not really, I'm interested on something else. Like, what would you say be the steps to f- follow through and what other things to look out for? Cause I'm not, re- I'm not, um, promoting here that you kind of jump from one thing to another yeah. without any purpose. Mm. So that's the thing. How do you identify its purpose? And it's a genuine thing that, you're just a person that wants to be challenged. <laughs> yeah, no, it's difficult. And I think I've gone on a real learning curve with that. You know, I think actually taking it a bit of a step back, you know, I am from a culture where 
you stay at one job mm. and you don't move. You know, it's all about job security and don't rock the boat and just stay where you are. Don't make a fuss. And that's what you do. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm from a background where my parents sort of came to this country mm. and they had that work ethic that was just so different. So for them, it was like, we're outsiders here. So we're just going to get head down, do our job and not make a fuss. And I remember when I told my dad that I was um, <laughs> moving roles and he was so worried. He was like, oh my mm. God, what happened? Did something go wrong? Like what's going on? And I was like, no dad, like it's fine. I'm just, you know, I wasn't getting enough from that role. So I'm mm. moving on to the next. And so I'm from that background where you don't move around and you don't think about that stuff. You just head down. So I had to kind of shift my mindset quite a bit and start being learning to be self-aware and learning mm. to be kind of reflective of what are the things I enjoy? What don't I enjoy? You know, that in itself was a bit of a journey for me, to be honest, because I didn't really know where I was going and what mm. I wanted to achieve and what I wanted to get to. Um, so constantly kind of um, taking points uh, in the week to kind of say, what did I enjoy this week? What didn't I enjoy? You know, do I think I'm going to get continue to get the good stuff where I mm. am or am I not so much? And then starting to think about if there are, I mean, if you're really lucky, if you know the kind of area you want to be in or the team that you want to be in, you can start building, you know, the road to get you there. So you start talking to the people in that team, you think about getting a mentor, you know, you start building relationships. And so you can kind of navigate your way. But if you don't even know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really hard. So I think I'd encourage people to reflect more on the things about on their job that they like, don't like so much. And if they're feeling stimulated or if they're, you know, feeling as though, you know what, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good where I am, but then think, where do you want to be in two years time? And what mm. are the things you need to do to, to get yourself there? Um, I think that, that it's baby steps, you know, it's definitely yeah. not something that you just, like you said, I think you don't want to be reckless and just jumping from here, there and everywhere without a purpose or a goal. Um but I think these are little things you can do in your day to day. And even if you don't feel like you want to move, those moments of reflection mm. are really good for when you are thinking about your performance reviews and that kind of stuff. You know, when I was managing a team, I'd constantly be telling them, think about the things that you did really well. You know, that particular task, that particular project, if you enjoyed it and how you can incorporate that into your sort of end of year performance reviews to really pitch for yourself. So you can always use it that intel you can you can always use it for something yeah I like that and I think that's such a such a great steps once you know where you're going uh get to know that team get mentor yeah identify your skills how can you help them um get involved in some projects they might be doing just to test the water exactly yeah but if you don't know that just go and get like just not just because I struggled with it for about four <laughs> years of my career because <laughs> I remember joining even Lloyd's when I joined yeah. the first year or two years people were like just get a coffee with people around I'm like mm. no one wants to have a coffee with no, me why no, would I get yeah. a coffee with them now I'm yeah. the first one to go go and have coffee people love talking about themselves so if yeah. you don't know what you want to know what you want to do ask people um, yeah. and be inquisitive about their jobs because yeah. that's how you'll get to find out isn't it Definitely. Talking about jobs, we didn't even get to what you do. 
jump right now. What's now, your jump right now? Yeah. So I started at Allianz um, on the 29th of December. So the oddest day to start a role, Love I know. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a rationale behind that. But yeah, 29th of December. So I'm sort of a bit over a month in now. So I'm uh, I'm in the compliance department um, and I'm a manager that I, I sort of cover sort of the policy side of all the regulations. So um yeah, sort of managing the relationship with the regulators and horizon scanning and kind of becoming sort of a bit of a technical expert on kind of the rules in the handbook and that kind of stuff. So a bit of a shift away from what I've been doing in the past, because mm. predominantly my experience in the past, especially at Lloyd's, has been the international regulatory <laughs> area. Right. Um, so absolutely nothing to do with our domestic regulators at all. Um, so I could tell you loads about you know South Africa and New Zealand and all of that. Um, but yeah, I'd identified that that was sort of a gap, basically. You know, when I was looking at my CV, great on the international stuff, but the UK stuff was a bit lacking for my, for you know, for want of a, what another word. So um, yeah, so I started at Allianz and focusing on the UK side and it's been really brilliant. You know, the team have been so welcoming, really patient with me. Um, I am someone who has learned to ask questions. I think mm. when I was younger... I always felt like, is that a bit of a sign of weakness? You should know. And actually, I've learned over time with confidence to kind of just ask that question. It may sound completely ridiculous, but so what? If, if I don't know, it's not ridiculous, is it? Because I, I don't know what the situation is. So um, asking lots and lots of questions and people are being very lovely and patient with me to explain things. Um, so it's been really great. And, um, you know, starting to understand what the culture is like mm. you know I kind of knew what the culture was at Lloyd's was very mm. part of it um so spending this first month trying to figure out what what it's like um and and yeah so so far so good they're about to launch at Allianz a um social mobility network which I think mm. is really great yeah so they already have a load of kind of employee networks but um yeah they're launching a social mobility one um so I'm gonna I volunteered to kind of be part of that network I think it's something that's really really close to my heart actually um you know I do a lot of work with um the switch so they work with schools in tower hamlets to kind of mm. build awareness about the financial services industry um but also about generally kind of financial literacy mm. um i'm a writing partner so to help with general sort of writing skills um and i think also to just kind of broaden horizons for kids um in mm. those kind of areas because when i do the writing partner stuff um you sort of get a guide of what to talk about. And I think it's such a great initiative because you, I talk about the kind of things that I do at the weekend or the books that I read or my hobbies and interests. And a lot of the time the kids will write back and say, I had no idea about this kind of stuff. And and yeah. so it's kind of like broadening horizons and stuff. So um, I'm really passionate about that. You know, my, like I said, my parents sort of came to this country, you know, hadn't gone to any sort of schooling after 16 and were learning as they went you know so when I first generation sort of going to university and figuring all of that stuff out and then the world of work I had to figure it out all on my own um, yeah. which is fine but I kind of want to pass that knowledge on I, I always feel like let's I want to use that to help those sort of that are not going to come after me um so yes, I'm really, really excited to sort of be involved in that with with Allianz. Um, like I said, with the switch, it was the partner with Lloyd's um, of London. Mm. But um, yeah, so um, I'm excited. I'm excited to get involved more. 
It's so it's so important. I always talk about the role modeling and as well as showing what's possible. I feel like yeah. that's a first step. And we often yeah. underestimate the privilege that we actually have um, by already being here and for many of yep. us not having experienced certain things or even take into consideration certain things. I always bring an example of, you know, we would organize an event for young people to come and talk to them about insurance. We're organizing mm. the city, absolutely brilliant. What we miss is a lot of these young people don't have a ticket for a bus to come down yeah. into the city. Yeah. And um, and that's because priorities are in different places. Families sometimes don't even understand why they're yeah. going. So it's not like mm. they don't even have it. It's more like they just don't understand why would you go to such event. And yeah. so there's a lot of stuff that we miss um, when we don't think about raising awareness and showing what's possible so you yeah. know you being in, in your role and and showing that it's it's brilliant and as well showing that yes. there are different roles and different skills this and is it. different paths to take yeah <laughs> absolutely I mean you know, my path has been very higgledy-piggledy in all honesty yeah. you know you know I, I grew up grow up you know thinking that there's a very linear you get in a job and you move up and that's what you do and that's what success looks like mm. and actually as I've gotten older no, success is whatever you deem to be success in your life. And so that can take many, many shapes and forms. And um, I think it, it's, it, you're absolutely right. You know, if we want our industry um, to develop and grow in the way that it should with more diversity, um, these are the things that, that, that need, to, need to happen. So I'm, I'm, mm. I feel so honoured to be part, part of that story of mm. trying to widen the network. And like you said, I do feel like I am in a really privileged position. Um, and, you know, I have had, um, when I was at Lloyd's, you know, people say, oh, so-and-so has just joined as an apprentice or as a grad and they wear a headscarf and they mm. really, I, I pointed them in your direction. Is that okay? And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is an absolute honour, you know, like <laughs> I didn't ever see myself as that kind of person, but absolutely mm. like more than happy to talk to someone and help them. And, um, you know, a lot of those conversations were very much, oh my God, so you can wear a headscarf here. And I'm like, yep, you can, please do. And, mm. you know, quite real conversations, basically, you know, people saying, oh, I wasn't quite sure I could, wasn't quite sure about the environment here. I didn't think, I, you know, I, my parents told me it would probably be a detriment to my career if I wore a headscarf mm. here because I mm. won't get the same sort of opportunities. And, um, you know, that is the reality of where we're at to be honest um it's not always easy um yeah. or fun to talk about um but that's still where we are so there's still a lot of work to do you know but people like me coming out and being so active on LinkedIn and talking yeah. to people I hope will start you know increasing the awareness and making it visible to people that actually you, you can make it here you know if you it, there are options it's may not be easy you know, I, yeah. I'm also upfront about that. Like it may, you may have to work harder than someone else, but there are opportunities there if you want them. Um, yeah. And it, we, we, need, we need more of that. We need more diversity of thought as well. So... I think that's, you've touched on a few very important points. One is role modeling and social media plays a big part mm. in that. And I know a lot of people look down on social media, but it's actually seeing role models like yourself for people who are in the industry that are um, pretending to be someone else is probably mm. the right word to say um, because mm. they think they can't be themselves yeah. and actually seeing you succeeding and being 
you know, who you are as a person, that brings a huge, you know, that's such a valuable thing. And we don't, we've never had that before. And we now mm. have, because unless you were in an organization and you happen to have someone employed yeah. there and you happen to bump into that, now you actually have it at the, you know, on your phone. So it's so exactly. much easier to showcase this. Yeah. But I appreciate not everyone wants to be the person that is go-to and the role model. So those that yeah. are, it's just so incredible that we have people like yourself that are willing to to do that. And I think there's the other aspect is, and I can completely, you know, it, it happens um, to women, but then when you add headscarf or you add race, it just gets far more complicated where people make assumptions. So people make an assumption of, well, you, I don't think you want to be a broker because you probably don't want to be around, you know, people. Yeah. I think I've had, I've had comments. Yeah. Um, I spoke to young ladies that wear he- headscarves and they've been passed on on, off, on promotion mm. because people made assumption that they want to only do back office and they don't want to be in front of clients. Yeah. But they've never asked them. They've <laughs> exactly. just assumed. And they ask. Yeah. And the, the, the young lady that I spoke to, she's a very brave, sort of confident mm. lady. And she was like, why Why did I not? Like my colleagues on the whole scheme mm. got put there. Why did I not? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I just thought you wouldn't want to. Yeah. You didn't even ask. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. my kind of plea that if you are sitting and, and we all do that we all have stereotypes mm-hmm. we all you know we we're can't help guilty it of we're it. humans yeah. mm-hmm. right Absolutely. we experience life and we all build our stereotypes but be aware of when you start making decisions based on a stereotype be aware of that yeah ask the person yeah I know <laughs> and it sounds so simple doesn't it but um you're absolutely right you've hit the nail on the head I think we all like you said we're all human and we all make assumptions and I think yeah, that would be my plea to check yourself when you are making mm. that assumption in your head, take a bit of a step back and have a moment, even if it's just a second of, oh, have I made that based on, oh, let me just ask her, you know, like mm. it's it's such an important thing. And if I think about key points in my career, yes, it's been helped because that person has asked, right? They've asked mm. the question, but when I alluded to earlier that it's going to be a bit harder potentially mm. if you, so that that's where it comes in a bit of the harder work that you might have yeah. to put in as an individual because I've had to voice things mm. a lot earlier or I've had to make things very clear in order for it to then click with the other person so if even if I think about say my mat leaves you know there was an assumption that I wouldn't want to do anything when I was on my mat leave like I wouldn't want to be involved in looking for jobs or applying for things I had to be very vocal in saying, no, 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 for me, I actually do want to think about applying for jobs and applying for training programs. So please contact me and get in touch with me. And, you know, and that, and that's been because throughout my career, I've had to grow in that confidence in saying mm. what it is I want. So that's when I talk about it being slightly harder, that's kind of the stuff I mean, because I think someone else may just get asked, whereas we have to be a bit more proactive and put it out there first to get it in people's minds. And so it's that soft stuff. (laughs) um, And and it's hard because not everyone, you know, it's like, why do I have to be loud if I'm not a loud person, but just because of my background? I think that's the, I can see how someone conflicts that inside and get annoyed with it. So I I completely agree. And I want to come back to the career break because I Mm. think that there's some really, really good points there. But 
just on the misconceptions, we're coming up to Ramadan. What yeah. do you think are the most common misconceptions that people have that don't understand what it's about? <laughs> so um, <laughs> I laugh work, because right? <laughs> I laugh because all Muslims we have this like I say we as if we're all like yeah, in this yeah. WhatsApp group, but like <laughs> most of my most of my Muslim friends, it's not a bad <laughs> thing, right? If you had one, <laughs> I know how great would that be? But um, an idea. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, you know, me and my like close Muslim friends will always laugh when Ramadan's coming up because we have this inside thing where we're like how many people do you think will ask us not even water you can't even have water so that's the biggest <laughs> misconception that people think that when we say we're fasting it means food and drink so really nothing um so that's the biggest biggest thing um the other thing I think is people and I can see why, you know, if you're, I'm, I'm coming up to someone saying, yeah, for 30 days, I'm not going to eat your drink between sunrise and sunset. You know, you'd look at them and be like, oh my God, that sounds awful. So I think the other misconception is that um, it's this like terrible ordeal of a month that we've got to go through. Um, <laughs> whereas actually, you know, if you were to ask any Muslim who's going to follow Ramadan, you know, follow the month, month of fasting, they're so excited. They're so excited yeah. for the month that's coming up. They're itching to sort of get there because it's a month of, it's almost a month of kind of detox, if I think mm. about it. Like it's a way of kind of, let's just all slow down. Yes, life goes on. There's work, there's kids, there's, you know, parents, there's all sorts of stuff going on. But let's just have this one month where we focus on ourselves mm. and we think about the things that we've done in the past year, maybe. Has all of that been great? Have I been the best version of myself in those moments? What can I do better? What can I do more of to feel more fulfilled as a person spiritually or um, to feel like I'm contributing more to my community around me? It's this month of reflection and kind of, you know, intense kind of self review almost mm. you know of like where have what have I done in the past year what do I want for the next year and you know how can I be a better person what are the things I can do to be a better person and so for us it's a month we really look forward to um <laughs> Yes, the food and drink is an element of it. And you will see, you know, some colleagues um, who are observing it probably a bit, the energy levels aren't quite as high, you know, or <laughs> they're wondering what they're going to do at lunchtime because everyone's going off for lunch and they're thinking, mm. well, what can I do? But on the whole, um, most Muslims are really looking forward to it. They're looking forward to this kind of peace that, that comes in the month. Um, and obviously meeting up with family more than you normally would. You know, when you break your fast, it tends to be, mm. you know, you're around the table and you sometimes get invited to other people's houses to break your fast and that kind of stuff. And, you know, more people tend to go to the mosque, which so it's all really lovely. Um so I think that's the other the other misconception. Like we we enjoy the month. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's it's yeah. hard. It's testing on in a, in a physical sense, but it's yes. um, a really blessed month for us. So yeah, um, really looking forward to it. A month away now. So yeah, <laughs> I can see why you laughed. I can definitely see why you laughed. Yeah. And that's beautiful as well. It's it's a beautiful time personally, but also with your family and friends, isn't it? Yeah, community. exactly. So that's it's just, really lovely. Yeah. So you might see that I like I'm not committing to any kind of engagements after work. You know, I, mm. I do try and go to a lot of kind of ICANN events and you know mm. events at the WCI we see each other at those sort of events but I probably won't because a my energy levels like I just don't have the energy for it um and also those the times that it's taking place will probably clash with when I'd want to break my yeah. fast so I wouldn't yeah. be home for that and uh you know all of that stuff so you know some behaviors you know might might change a little bit but yeah yeah 
that's that's really that's really helpful to understand and I think put a very positive and and then see it in a positive light which I think a lot of people as you said is there's a big misconception yeah um, around it yeah (laughs) yeah talking about uh, sort of positive and you've touched on the career break and and going on mat leave you you've had career breaks in your uh in your career well, it's not really a sentence but you know what I mean <laughs> yeah um, yeah <laughs> I, I I have definitely been finding out more information and seeing a trend where stereotypically majority of women age of kind of 30 to 40 have that career break for various mm. reasons health mm. family um becoming a carer and that yep. that role does tend to fall onto women um mm. i'm not here to solve the problem of society so let's kind of tap you know let's let's move away yeah. from that conversation <laughs> um though i can go on forever if anyone wants to spend an evening talking about this <laughs> but here for the purpose of um career um there seems to be that even if you are a returner you kind mm. of put in this pretty much as if it was day one um mm. Are you up put up for promotions? Mm, not as much. Yeah. Um, so there's this stigma straight away assigned to you if you come back from a when you come back from a career break. Yeah. But you've navigated that. What what advice would you give people that are either preparing for career break or mm. currently considering coming back? You know, what would be the things to to be mindful of um individually? And then we'll talk about the organization. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, some of the advice I've actually given as well in the past, because I was part of the families um, community at Lloyd's. So um, we had some sort of mums that were returning to work and I kind of buddied up with mm. them. And so, so I think some of the one thing I'd say is that you, you kind of do need to be vocal about what it is you want, because you could be coming back from your mat leave and I, you know, I've spoken to him who say, I, I actually just want to be at home with my kid. Like, I don't mm. want my job to take my life. Like, I, I don't want to progress or anything. I just kind of want to clock in, clock out mm. and have enough time to be with my family because I'm really missing them. So that's fine. Just tell your manager, though, because they don't know where your head is at with this stuff. So I appreciate, you know, it's difficult sometimes depending on the manager you have and how supported you may or may not feel. But it's, I think it's so important try you know as much as you can to vocalize what it is you want either during Mm. your mat leave or after your mat leave um so that hopefully you can get the support that you need because equally I was kind of maybe on the other side of the coin where I was actively looking for different roles you know a promotion Mm. um I was applying to be part of training courses so you know I had a really supportive manager where I was able to say that this is what I want, you know, contact me over mat leave, you know, when I come back, I'm really going to be looking for other roles. So I think the conversation needs needs to kind of happen because otherwise, as we, we've alluded to, you end up in the assumption world and that's not yeah. good for, for anyone. So I definitely think having um, upfront conversations where you can or asking for support if you need it, like on that stuff, I think um, is definitely step is step one. Um, I think that's really, really key. I mean, I... I have a massive support network around me uh, that I've built. You know, mm. I, I, I refer to my support network a lot, but actually I've built that. You know, I've been very actively trying to build, you know, support, whether that's at work, outside mm. of work. And I think that's really key. You know, you tend to you know, bounce ideas off other people. How can I approach this conversation? I'm not sure how to really pitch it. Practice it with me, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think relying mm. on your support network 
is not a weakness. It's what gets you through. You know, we all need it in some way, shape or form. So not being afraid to ask for help or to ask for um, guidance from your support network, whatever that looks like, I think is another really important thing. And especially if you're returning after a long period of absence, you need your people, you know, to either build you up, you know, give you that push of confidence, you know, present things in a different way to you, um, offer different perspectives. So I think I've definitely really, really found those things really, really helpful. I appreciate not everyone is always in the, the same position yeah. as, as I was. And so it may not be as easy. Um, but talking, I think, is really what I'm trying to get at here. You know, otherwise, it's all going to be in your head. You're going to get more stressed and anxious about it. The other mm. side doesn't really know what's going on with you. So they don't know what to do. So I think just talking talking can yeah. really help get it going you, you may not land where you want to land but at least you, you're getting it all out there and it's not all in your head um no it's it's yeah. so it's so true and, and someone gave me recently advice i is look at your support network is it the network that's aligned to you because i think yeah. i've been supporting i've had i've been developing a support network but now i've realized it takes me on the journey that i don't feel comfortable yeah. with. I got to surround myself with people that, you know, inspire me in a different direction. And, exactly. and the second I did it, it felt very different. And it's not to say um, it was a, it, people were bad or, or they were doing, yeah. they, they were just their values and their kind yep. of um, plans were just not where I was trying to take myself. So it's okay yeah. to shift it as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. But, th- but this point around, having an honest conversation it keeps on coming up over and over again which is mm. hard mm-hmm. but more we practice um, yes and it works for both so talking about organizations it's, it's all good to say organizations should support people going on retention on, on the leave etc mm. but how can you support if you don't know what you're supporting isn't it I think that's the thing. You know, if I think about the experiences I've had, I mean, I've had three mat leaves, so three returns to work. Um, They've all been a positive experience for me because Mm. I was having open conversations with my uh, line manager, quite frankly. Mm. They weren't always great. You know, they weren't always, you know, roses. Mm. But I was getting it out there. I was saying, this is what I want or this is what I need from you. And if you can't give that to me, then we need to figure something out. You know, they're not always easy conversations, but Mm -hmm. I think they need to happen because you're absolutely right from an employer point of view. Mm. They can't support you unless they know what it is that you need. And also you need to give them the opportunity to offer solutions. You know, it's not all on your shoulders. So if you put it out there and say, how can you help me? You know, put it back on them a bit you know, put that onus on them and then see what they come back to the table with. So I was, you know, I do say I was very fortunate. I had pretty on the whole, um, really supportive line manager. She really had my back, you Mm. know, but was very upfront with me, um, in terms of saying you are so ready for the next step. I'm happy to support you in any applications, you know, happy to keep you updated on what's happening in the team. Um, you know, it was just really great, exactly what I needed. You know, if I wasn't getting that, yeah, it would have been it would have been really tricky. And I can completely yeah. appreciate, you know, that, that there are some women that are in that in that boat. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I think about I've had three, you know, I did reflect on this. I thought I've I've had three years of of mat leave. And realistically, the minute you tell your employer that you're pregnant, 
things kind of dwindle, right? You don't mm-hmm. get the opportunities put to you because the timings don't work because they'll say, mm-hmm. well, I was going to put you as lead on this project, but actually the completion date is when you're going to be on mat leave. So I'm just going to give it to someone else. So realistically, I've had three years where I haven't, I've been on mat leave and then three pregnancies, which, you know, depending on when you tell your employer kind of adds up to about five years, five years mm-hmm. where I was probably not progressing as quickly as I could have been right if if you think about it that way yeah um so it can have a big impact if on top of that you're not talking you're not saying what it is you need you're not saying what you want that's with me talking (laughs) with me talking and saying what I want I'm still in theory really have been held back five years because Mm. I've just not been you know either in the office for the opportunities or you know or they've not been able to give them to me because of you know timings and that kind of stuff um so you know the the sooner you talk and and explain what it is you're looking for what it is you need and what support you therefore need um the better I think from my experience it's so you 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 really got me thinking here I do love my numbers and stats and (laughs) actually when you put it in that perspective there is an element of always being a disadvantage right if you take mm. in that time of against your counterpart so yeah there's an onerous definitely responsibility on yourself to how do I make that shorter mm. if I want to progress because yeah. some people as well want, as you said want to make mm-hmm. a decision that they're coming back and they just want yeah. to do the job and log out and I don't think we as industry um make the most of that kind of skills because I, I, I always say you know there's so many jobs out there that we yeah. give to young people very often um, Mm. who want to progress and move to the next thing. And I know we all have to, you know, put the stamp on the envelope and do the job at the beginning, but there's actually a responsibility to certain jobs that you could give to returners who want to do the job. They have the knowledge, they have the skill and they want to move on. They can crack on, do it well. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So that's one area. But the other area is for those who come back and they want to keep on progressing. I think there is an element of how do I make sure that I shorten that period I was away through educating yeah. myself, networking, keeping in touch if this is my goal. Um, but as mm. well for the industry and organizations to recognize that that support is needed to to, because, you know, we we constantly talk about talent pipeline and not enough senior mm. women and there's nowhere to pick, yeah. take them from and blah, blah, blah. Well, there is a pool there, but are we actually tapping into that pool enough and recognising the skill that's there rather than saying, well, you've been out yeah. for five years, so... 100%. It's it's a two-way it's a two-way conversation. You know, I I went to an event, I think it was the WCI or IWIN um that, mm. that hosted last year on kind of um looking at your financials as a woman. Mm. Um and some of the stats were pretty depressing actually when you think about the different points in a woman's um career where they have to take a step back, whether that be for children or whether that be for caring for older parents and the impact that that has um, on your financials, you know, your pension contributions and Mm. all of that, it has a massive, massive impact. So, you know, I'm here sort of saying, like, have the conversation, talk and be upfront, but 100%, it needs to be your, the company as well. The company needs to recognise that those key milestones, particularly Mm. in a woman's career, there is a 
different type of conversation that needs to take place, a really different type of support, bespoke conversation that needs to take place. And I do think there's a gap there um, in terms of training for people managers and leaders Mm. on how to approach those conversations and what they should be thinking about. You know, I never knew what impact me being on mat leave would have on my pension contributions. I had no idea. It's just not something that ever entered my psyche. And actually reflecting on it, that should have been a conversation either HR or my, you know, my line manager should have been saying, just to clarify, we're going to continue with your pension contributions. There's not going to, you know, like something that it feels like there needs to be something or even, you know, people that are returning to work after a long break, you know, if you're going part-time, what that means for Mm. your pension, you know, those like kind of conversations are just not happening with women. We're not even talking about it within our support networks. We're we're not, we're not talking about it at all. And it's a real gap uh, in knowledge Um, which is having a massive impact on women once they retire, when they realise all those years that potentially contributions weren't going in or they adjusted their hours and they didn't realise the impact it would have on their pension. It's now coming at this point where they have no way to change it, like they're left with it. Um, So it's a massive area, actually. And so you're absolutely right. It needs to be a two-way street. The support from companies also is, is massive massive mm. in that mm. I mean the, the the point of finances and understanding finances is something I I've only recently actually start paying attention to as yeah. to how much of disadvantage we continue to be in and I'm reading this book at the moment um 10 histories of difficult women um and one of the chapters uh talks about divorce but it talks about financial impact of it mm. um and a sort of history of of how finance independence has been developing and actually how backwards it still yeah. is yeah. Uh, in a modern society right I'm not even touching mm. you know uh, uh, sort of societies that are not what we would deem as modern yeah. so um, certainly a really really important topic which now gives me hundreds of ideas and yeah. things to to talk about <laughs> moving forward so um, yeah. yeah I mean yeah. I appreciate we've been talking for a while and and I had another topic but we may have to keep it for somewhere else because uh, you know it's been so much knowledge and I don't want to kind of overload um so I really really appreciate this conversation and your honesty throughout this as well it's been so beautiful so really really appreciate thank that thank you I close this podcast with a question, um, which you, you've heard before. Um, Korean insurance, what have you been able to experience thanks to being in insurance that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise? It's the people. You know, I, I think I really, whenever I reflect on my experiences, the people is what makes this industry absolutely amazing. And, you know, I particularly have been somewhat blessed because I've been in an international team. So mm. I've got contacts around the world, which is unbelievable. I know that I could go to Singapore and pay a visit to the Lloyd's office there. You know, I could go to New York. I could go to um, our Canada office. You know, it's, it's South Africa. And I would see a friendly face and someone who knows me Mm. and would greet me with such warmth. Um, And there's not many people that that could probably say that. So the people and the relationships um, are just second, second to none. You know, we do have a lot more to do in the industry, but we have a fantastic foundation Mm. in that sense. You know, the people are just brilliant. And I really don't think I'd get that in any other industry. So I'm so grateful for that. 
I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for joining me. As I said, we we have many more topics to talk about. So I don't know. I need to think about this. Um, but <laughs> thank you so much for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Help me to share these stories with as many people as possible by rating the podcast and sharing episodes on your social media platforms. Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to me. If you have any recommendations on comments, please get in touch. Don't forget to follow the podcast on social media at 100 Women in Insurance to find out about the upcoming releases, guest spotlights and top career tips. See you in the next episode.